0: Does anybody remember reading John chapter 4 where Jesus has had an encounter with a woman at Jacob's well? Jesus and his disciples are walking along on a journey and they stop at Jacob's well which is in Samaria and uh, the disciples go on to town to buy something to eat and Jesus sits at the well by himself and there's this woman that comes to draw water. She's a Samaritan woman and the Samaritans had no dealing with the Jews and they didn't get along well. Uh, In fact, they wouldn't even talk to each other. Division, like sort of trying to be created here in America. And so, but Jesus, of course, he didn't play those games. And he asked the woman to draw him some water from the well. And she says, well, what are you talking to me for? You know, we don't have any, we're not supposed to talk together. You know, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. And Jesus, you know, he didn't pay attention to that. He said, if you knew who was asking you, you would ask of me, living water. I would give you living water. She says, "Are you, are you greater than our ancestors? Are you greater than Jacob, who gave us this well?" You know, and so she's bantering back and forth with him. She's being a little smart, aleck because she doesn't understand who he is. And then Jesus says something quite odd. I mean, you know, do you notice how Jesus just switches the conversation every now and then? You'll think he's going to answer a certain way and he just goes a different direction. But you know he, he knows what he's, he's saying. And Jesus said something very odd in the middle of that conversation. He said, Go get your husband. <laughs> and she's, uh, that kind of got her. She said, Well, I don't have a husband. He said, I know you don't have a husband, you've had five husbands. And the man that you're living with now is not your husband. And we often point out how Jesus confronted her with her sin. But he had just got through talking to her about living water. See, Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus is trying to get you to the living water. That once you taste of it, you can't go back from it. It's it's the life itself that you really long and crave to have. And the first thing he addresses with this woman is her issues with marriage. You've had five husbands, and the one you've given up on marriage now, you just living with man, you just decided that you can't do it. And the woman, you know, she says, Oh, I, I perceive that you're a prophet because you know these things about me. And uh, what. Jesus is trying to do is say, don't give up on your marriage I don't care I don't know if there's anybody in here been married five times, but even if you have, Jesus is saying it's not over. You know your life doesn't end. Peter said, "How many times shall I forgive my brother? He said seven times and Jesus said, seven times seventy. So we talked about last week if you've been divorced, if you've had an abortion, things that we discussed in the in the series so far, you know. Put that behind you. Put that under the blood. Remember the blood that Jesus poured out. It was so that we can be forgiven. It was so that we can move forward from wherever we're at right now into the abundant life. And I thought it was odd that Jesus switched the conversation to talk about marriage when he's talking about living water. And she went into the town and she told everybody. Now you may be thinking, well, she's just a sinful woman. You know, she's been married five times. She's probably, you know, she's probably on drugs or something, or she's no good, or we, we classify folks. But it says the whole town listened to her, and then many believed because of her testimony. So this wasn't some throwaway woman, and there is no throwaway woman, by the way. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm talking about in our worldly ways of seeing things. This was no throwaway woman. This was a woman who had respect in her society, in the the town Sychar in which she lived, because people listened to her. So your life doesn't have to be terrible for you to get a divorce or to make mistakes and not understand how to do marriage. This was her issue. She did not know how to do marriage. Now, whether it was her fault or the the husbands that she had married, I don't know. But you got to think, after five times, maybe she needed a resurrection in her understanding of marriage. And I want you to know, Jesus is the answer. He's the one that draws out the living water out of you and teaches you to, to know how to be married. So I wanted to say that before we even get started in today's lesson. Now, we'll talk about, we'll be down in the weeds and and talking about marriage things and issues. But without Jesus, it's not going to work. Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. Without His love for you and your love back to Him, you can't love your spouse the way you should. You don't have the motivation to love them the way they should. And so I just wanted to make that point. Jesus is saying, if you won't... The living water, you need to know how to treat folks, especially your spouse, your family situation needs to be first and foremost, other than your relationship with him. Does that make sense? Or did I just waste 10 minutes of your time? That's a big introduction and I ain't even through yet. Ephesians 5.33. I I just, you know, I'm a Jesus preacher, and I like to preach Jesus, and sometimes when we get into these practical teachings about how to live your life or something, I'll, I just always want to go back to Jesus. I'm, I just want to tell you how good Jesus is, and sometimes we get in the weeds of these things, and uh, I, I try to find a way to keep our focus on Jesus, even in the, in the midst of issues. Ephesians 5.33 So I say again, each man must love his wife, As he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. That's not always the case, but it's in the majority of cases, a woman is seeking love. The man is, he's seeking respect. You know, ladies, if you, your husband will jump on a grenade for you if you just tell him how big and strong he is. (laughs) He's just crying out, man. You know, he's looking for your attention. You know, most of the things he does when he comes and tells you what he shot at golf and you don't even know about scoring in golf, if you would just say, that's good, is it better than last time? And, and just pay a little attention and show him and tell him he's doing good. I'm telling you, he will jump on a grenade for you. Most of the issues that could be solved in your marriage if you would just show your husband a little respect. Build him up. Help him see himself as, as who he wants to be. Don't tear him down. Make fun of him. That's the worst thing you could do to your husband. You'll make a joke out of him. He'll lower himself to the level of your expectation. But I'm telling you, he'll jump on a grenade for you if you show him a little respect. Now the woman, most times, now you know women like respect too, and it goes both ways. But most times the women are little princesses. And they want to feel wanted. They want that knight in shining armor to come riding up and rescue them. They want to feel loved. What moves their heart is emotion about is love and feeling that he, he loves me. They're romantic. They have a different, different draw than men do. Men want to say, so I'm big and strong and she wants to say, I'm beautiful and desirous. 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 You know, in the Bible, Ananias and Desirous. No, No. No, it's just. just Desirable. That is is probably a better use. I got that old King James going around in my head. A man needs respect and a woman needs love. Now, Hollywood, as soon as they got their hands in doing some comedies and stuff, they started making fun of marriage. I remember growing up watching uh, Married with Children. Anybody remember that old show? Al and Peggy Bundy? And they were making a mockery out of marriage. That was their job. Al did not love his wife, obviously, and Peggy could not respect Al any less. And so there was the... And then it became a joke. And so ever since then... Every comedy after that starts making the same joke, and we begin to buy into the lie that it's funny that if I don't love my wife. It's funny if she doesn't respect her husband. And the roles, and you don't think Hollywood makes a difference in society? Look at the the denigration of marriage in the last 20, 30 years here in America. Hollywood can have that kind of marriage. Most of them in Hollywood do. (laughs) But I don't want that kind of marriage. I want a biblical kind of marriage. I want a a Priscilla and Aquila kind of marriage. Anybody ever read the Bible? It's a good book. I highly suggest it. The book of Acts. You see this couple. Every time that one of them is named, the other one is named Priscilla and Aquila. They're always in there. And you see them doing things like helping young ministers. They, they help Paul get on his feet. They go on missionary journeys with Paul. In fact, one time, uh, Paul says that Priscilla and Aquila saved his life. Now, what would have happened if Paul would have died? We would have been left with a short New Testament. So Priscilla and Aquila had a major role in the church. And every time you see them, they're named together. A man and his wife, they're doing ministry together. They're doing life together. They're raising up young people together. That's the kind of marriage me and Angie want to have. One that makes a difference. And when people name me, they can't help but say Angie too. Because we work together. We're so close. We're such a team. Isn't that the kind of marriage you want to have? That's why we're in this series, Joyfully Married. And today's lesson, or today's message is part two The arts of marriage. The arts of marriage. And of course, the arts is an acronym. And I'm going to tell you what it's for if you're writing these down. A is for affection. Anybody want to learn the arts of marriage? You came today. You knew what we were teaching, right? (laughs) R is for romance. T is for touch. And S, have all the children left? (laughs) Sex. (laughs) Don't get excited, teenagers. S is for sex. We're going to start with A, and if you're real good, maybe we'll get to sex, but... (laughs) Don't take that out of context. <clears throat> Angie's saying, remember what I said earlier. Don't go off freewheeling and making jokes that get you in trouble. Okay. A is for affection, so I looked up affection in the Bible. <laughs> Affectionate means readily feeling and showing fondness or tenderness. Readily feeling it and showing it. Fondness. And tenderness. Romans 12.10, the Apostle Paul says, Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. And he's not even talking to husband and wife right there. He's just talking to brothers and sisters. If we're supposed to love brothers and sisters with genuine affection, how much more are we supposed to love the one that we have come into covenant with as our lifelong partner? Part of our very own body? Remember, the two shall become one. Shouldn't we be affectionate towards one another? The Apostle Paul is saying, be affectionate to your brothers and sisters, and a lot of us are. We come into church, and that's the nicest our spouse has seen us all week. I mean, who is this guy? (laughs) He's been been yelling at me all week. But he's going to be nice to them. It's so much easier to take our spouses for granted, and that's why our marriages get in the conditions that they are. I mean... I'm telling you, this message is chock full of little nuggets that will change your marriage if you're listening. If I was you, I'd be, getting, I'd be getting a podcast after this and writing these things down. Now, I'm obviously an affectionate person, obviously affectionate with Angie. I often make people uncomfortable if we're at a party or somewhere. I'm always patting on her, touching her, kissing her. You're not going to kiss her again at church, are you, like last week? That's what he probably I make people uncomfortable because that's, that's really my love language, just touch and, and handle and, and, <laughs> and it makes other people uncomfortable. But some men are not affectionate. They're like, I told you I loved you when we got married. Why you got to hear it again? <laughs> 20 years later, it's said that when a man marries a woman, it's the highest compliment that he can pay her. And sometimes it's the last compliment he ever pays her. That should not be. That should not be. You should want to make your spouse feel special. They are the most special person in your life other than Jesus, and you should make them feel special. Kiss them sometimes, even in public. Even Apostle Paul says, greet your brothers with a holy kiss. I mean, we're a little too stiff sometimes. Flirt with your spouse. Flirting's not just what you do with somebody besides your spouse. Some of us have really messed that one up, but flirting was meant to be with your spouse and not just during the romantic dating part. Compliment each other. Remember, he'll throw throw himself on a grenade for you if you'll just give him a compliment every now and then. And I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but I see some women as saying, "Well, he don't deserve my respect. You don't know what he does. You don't know what he's like at home. I don't don't know." He is a result of what you have said about him and other people have said about him. And other people may not change, but you can begin to change what you say about him. And he will begin to see himself as the man that you say he is. If he's low down and no good, then begin to say something different about him. Calling him low down and no good is just going to confirm what he already knows. a thank you would be nice okay here's another thing sit by them on the couch some of you got those long sectionals they sit on one end while you laughing (laughs) and they want to sit on the other end every now and then y'all wave at each other some of you just don't even bother waving anymore Some of you got a big old hound dog sitting in between you. Get the dog off the couch. You need to be like those people. You ride behind them and they're in the pickup truck and you see the wife sitting in the middle, not on the far side. And you think to yourself, they're in love. Well, don't you want to be in love? Do what it takes to get there. Scratch each other's back. Not just sitting there waiting on your turn. I'll do you 15 seconds if you'll do me for a minute. What if you did it for them and you wasn't even expecting? No, I'm good. I just wanted to show you some affection. Wouldn't that be sweet? Leave little notes for each other. I'm just giving you some common tips, okay? Leave little love notes for one another. Put some in his lunchbox, ladies. Men? I don't know, tape something to their hairdryer or something. <laughs> in 1992, when me and Angie were dating, she wrote this letter to me and stuffed it in my brief, in my suitcase when I went on a trip. And I got there and I saw it and it touched my heart and I folded it up and I put it in my billfold. It had been sitting there for since 1992 and I recently took it out this year because it was about to fall apart. You can see it turned pink. It was originally written on white paper, but my billfold got wet so many times over the years. For 20-something 20, 20 years, it's been in my billfold. I finally laminated it. And I, and I can't carry it in my wallet anymore, but I carry it right here in my, my preaching folder. So I always remind it. Just touch my heart. Just a, one little note. It'll be something to hold on to. Little things. Show an interest in their hobbies. Now, I know he shouldn't have bought you golf clubs for your birthday, ladies. But he, he just, it's his way of saying, I want to be with you. And you could show an interest in his hobbies, and maybe he'll turn around and show an interest in yours, and then y'all will be doing things together. That's what it's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? When you're not wanting to do things with each other, well, I got my ways, he's got his ways. And that's leading apart. All these roads are trying to lead you back together to the oneness that Christ wants for you. Ask about their day. Little things. Use affectionate nicknames. When you introduce her. say, this is the love of my life. Or this is my big strong husband. (laughs) Don't say this is the old lady. Or this is my dork ball husband. Show them some respect. Let other people know that they are your treasure. When when they see that you're willing to tell somebody else, they think, well, maybe they like me more than I thought they did. Don't be so reserved. Let your emotions flow. This is the person you're supposed to give yourself to. Without reserve. There's no limits here. You can love them as hard as you want to. There are a few other don'ts that I'd like to mention. Could you show that video? Tim, could you hit those four lights on the corner there? This was written by Hunter Lax. Baby screaming but you act like you're asleep Don't do it Don't do it Laughing is a no-no when she says How do I look? Don't do it That's ridiculous If she says she spells love T-I-M-E Don't grammatically correct her If she says you both should give a hundred percent Don't tell her that's impossible mathematically. Don't, 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 don't do it. Stop, must stop it, cut it out. Never leave an argument by yelling out. Well, fine, don't do it unless she was asking how your day was. You said it was more like, well, fine. That's okay. When she makes dinner, she needs to do the dishes. He's kidding. I was. That's your job. Never tell her jokes like, what do you do when the dishwasher stops working? You tell her to get back to work. No, that's not funny. Maybe just a little. Don't even think of laughing. Oh. Me for so lot, you don't. Don't do it now. Stop, must stop it. Cut it out. Always ask about her day. Help her fold the laundry. And don't forget to spray. life all in the bathroom. If you do this, you will see. You'll make her so happy. And your marriage will be sturdy. Like an oak. But there are so many things you must don't, don't 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 do it stop must stop it cut it out Don't I don't, I don't. said, don't play that again. (laughs) Good song, Hunter. Give Hunter a big round of applause. Uh, I liked you in that wig. That looked good. Yeah, did you hear me singing the high part? But I thought we might need a little comic relief at this point. Let's get back to work here. Have anybody ever read The Five Love Languages, the book The Five Love Languages? Some of us. I may have skimmed through it and learned enough to be dangerous, but I know this, that different people understand love differently. For example, I could be buying Angie this chocolate every time that I want to express my love to her, and she may look at me and say, You know I'm allergic to this, right? (laughs) And she may not feel any love from that box of chocolates. But if I was to do the dishes one night, she may say, Look at there, he really loves me. Every person has a, they say it's five, but there's different ways that people receive love. Some of us have been so frustrated Because we're trying to show our spouse that we love them, but they're not receiving it. They don't even know that's what you're doing. I just wondered why you kept bringing me that chocolate. And they're not responding. But guess what? As a spouse, it's your job to find out what your spouse's love language is. Here's an idea. Ask them. Communicate. Every now and then say, when I do this, do you like it when I do this? You know, everybody, like I said, I'm touchy feeling You know, I'm touching all over her because that's the way I want her to do me. <laughs> A good indication of how what their love language is, is might be that that's what they're expressing to you. And you might be like, I don't know why she keeps doing that. It's not showing me any love. Find out what your love language is, and then you will be so much more effective showing love to your spouse. Angie could care less about that touchy feeling. Will you get off of me? You know? Do the dishes. The root word of affection is what? Affect. Affection will affect your spouse's heart. Affection will affect their actions which will affect, greatly affect your marriage. So what does A stand for? Affection. A man needs respect, a woman needs love. We could all use a little more affection in the arts of marriage. The A is for affection. We got through one. Three more to go. The R is for what? Remember? Romance. Romance. That's the way we say it in Mississippi. (laughs) Now I'm not talking about Harlequin novels or Hallmark movies. That's not technically romance. That's fantasy. In fact, that could be detrimental to your marriage. If you're investing in these other forms, you're, you're looking for romance, but it's not with your spouse. There's a difference in romance and fantasy. Does that make any sense? The world wants you to think that romance is, once again, only for when you're dating. You know, just like flirting. That's just something you do, and then, and then you get them, and then you don't have to worry about romance. That's what our, us guys pull out the romance card when we're dating, you know, and then we put it back up and we forget where we did with it. But healthy romance was best designed to be used in a marriage. To keep the marriage fresh and to keep the marriage alive. And some of you may say, I don't know if it talks about romance in the Bible too much. Well, God wrote a 66-book love letter to his church. I think that's a little romantic. I think God is romantic about his church. He wrote a 66-book love letter. least you can do is get your spouse a card on your birthday. Right? When I was like 22, 23 years old, I killed a big old eight-point buck deer hunting. And that was the last deer I killed since then. I'm a terrible hunter. My dad had to put me on that one, you know. and an it ain't for lack of trying. I've been several times, and I've hunted hard. I hunt as hard as anybody, but I just never, I ain't good at it. I don't catch deer. I don't kill deer good. So I ain't, co- but but I was so happy with that eight pointer, and it was a nice eight pointer, that I spent $300 to get the head stuffed and put on a plaque and mounted, and I And I took pictures with that head, and I sent them to the local newspaper and got in the newspaper. I was so proud. I killed a big old eight point, you know. I made a big deal. I was so excited about that deer. And guess where that big deer head went? Right over the mantle. Every place that I lived, it was the centerpiece until I got married. And Angie had different ideas. And sometimes you got to listen to your wife. But anyway, we took that deer head and we put it in my music room, you know, my man cave. I put it in there. And over time, you know, I was like, I got tired of looking at it. It ended up in my closet for a while. Then a couple of years, I put it out in the shed where nobody got to see it. And then it was just taking up room. So one time, I just finally got it down in the house I'm living in. And many of you know I got a pavilion out in the back. I went and put it in the pavilion out in the weather and just left it for about a year. And the thing began to dry rot and crumble. $300. Ended up selling it at a garage sale. Somebody wanted the horns. Gave me five bucks for it. (laughs) But see, that is a description of a lot of marriages. You were so excited to catch them in the first place. You had their heads stuffed and mounted. No. (laughs) No. But I mean, they were the showpiece of your life. You had them over the mantle of your life. They were, look who I married. I was so excited. And then over time, it isn't fashionably Hollywood cool to show your wife love or your husband respect. And you begin to lose respect yourself for them. And over time, they end up out in the pavilion somewhere. And you sell them off for $5 to a divorce lawyer somewhere. But what I'm trying to say is, in God's estimation, marriage, the hunt is never over. Romance needs to be a healthy part. So you keep the hunt alive. You gotta keep hunting, gotta keep courting, gotta keep pursuing them. And ladies, you gotta keep one step ahead of them to keep them chasing you. And for for most of the men in here, that ain't hard for you to do, right? <laughs> Just outsmart them a little bit, you know? Stay ahead of them. And that also means that you have to be a deer, D E A R, worth pursuing. Don't let yourself go after marriage, men or women. You need to keep yourself up. You know, a lot of religions teach that women shouldn't wear makeup and do their hair and stuff. I'm not one of those. You know what I'm saying. Out of respect for your spouse, be something, someone that they want to pursue. And women, you pursue them back in your own way. You understand what I'm saying? Let the hunt continue. You can't just put them up on a manual and think, well, the romance is over. Can't put them out in the pavilion. The marriage will begin to dry rot. God shows us how to be romantic. You say God's not romantic. Turn to the Song of Solomon, in some Bibles it's called the Song of Songs. I think it's right after Psalms, isn't it? Somewhere in there, right after Ecclesiastes, right after Ecclesiastes because the same person wrote both books. All right, Song of so- in, my, in my book, it's called Song of Songs. Right after Ecclesiastes. We'll see if God's not romantic. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1. This is Solomon's Song of Songs. He was proposed to be the wisest man, the wisest king ever, right? God gave him great wisdom. He wrote the book of Proverbs. And now he's writing this book. This is a song of songs, more wonderful than any other. And if your Bible has little headers, a lot of the Bibles will help you because there's different people saying these things. Sometimes it'll be the young man says this, the the husband. Sometimes it'll be the young woman who says it, the wife. Sometimes it'll be the wife's friends, which they need to hush. No, just kidding. But usually. (laughs) But anyway, in verse 2, it says the young woman says this. She says, kiss me. And kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. She's talking to her husband. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. If you go to Song of Solomon chapter 4, starting in verse 9, You'll see a a portion where the young man says this. He says, You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes. With a single jewel of your necklace. I mean, he's captivated by this woman. He's looking at her. Just the jewels of her necklace are just sparkling in his eyes. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices. All his senses are aroused by this woman. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. How does he know? Unless he's kissing them. Honey and milk are under your tongue. He must be French kisser. I don't know. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Is it getting hot in here? It's just me. God is romantic. Your spouse is not... A trophy that you won back on the wedding day and that you just hang up and forget about. Pursue her. It's a lifelong pursuit. A man needs respect, a woman needs. And all marriages need a little romance. What can you do? You romantic thing, you. What can you do to pursue your spouse this week? What little thing can you do? to show them some affection. The arts of marriage, R is for romance. The T is for... Now, are y'all mature enough to go there today? Are y'all ready to quit and just pray up for next week? T is for touch. I'm not talking about sexual touch. I'm talking about holding hands, a kiss, a pat, a hug. Non-sexual, guys. There there is such a thing as non-sexual touch. Not everything has to be foreplay, all right? Non-sexual touch. Because our bodies were meant for touch. That's why we got these little sensors all up and down. That's why you feel pain. That's why you feel all these things. Our bodies were meant to be touched. Reuters Health Report reports that babies deprived of touch can have significantly impaired brain development. You can teach them all you want, you say all you want to them, speak positive over them, but if you're not touching them, there's going to be something stunted in their brain. That's what this report says. And in Luke 18, 15, it says, one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. How did they get blessed? Jesus touched them. See, Jesus is a hands-on God. He is a toucher. Has He touched your life? Does His love touch you? Does it shake you to the core? When you think about him, can you almost feel his hands, his arms around you? I can. Touch helps us not to feel so alone in an increasingly isolated world. Today, more than ever, people are on computers. they got their own little space. They're in video games. They're living in virtual world. And we wonder why they grow up so mad. We wonder why the society is getting so violent. Don't touch me. I got my space. They don't know what it's like to be loved, to be vulnerable, to be touched. I believe that's why they offer you a warm towel when you go to get a haircut. I mean, I don't I don't think there was that much hair on my neck that I needed a warm towel to wipe it off. I believe a lot of you gentlemen... Probably get way more haircuts than you need to get. <laughs> You're going in there because you want somebody touching your hair. You want somebody shaving your neck. You want to be touched. I believe they do more haircuts because people need touch more than they do needing a haircut. I bet if you look at people who really suffer from loneliness, just a little touch. What, what do they do? I'm just, this is coming to me, but don't they give puppies and stuff to, to lonely people or to old people or somebody who doesn't have a lot of touch? Don't, don't we try to accommodate and, and use other methods to try to get people to feel the warmth of so, another living human being or a, an animal at least? Touch. And some of you ain't touched your wife in years. Not really. Some of you lit, you sleep in different bedrooms. Now I know there's medical health issues or whatever, but I'm just going to tell you. You need to do your best at least until they fall off of sleep and start snoring to get in there and cuddle with them. Touch your spouse. They may be crying out for it silently, <laughs> They might not even know how to express what their frustration is. Why they don't feel loved. But if you would touch them. In Mark 1, verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. Now what in the world is he doing out of quarantine? Why why is he he's not even he's contagious. With the world's worst disease pretty much of the time. He's highly contagious. He's not supposed to be over here. But he could not resist going to Jesus. And he has come and knelt before Jesus. Begging to be healed. He can't stand it anymore. I believe it was probably the quarantine was worse than the, the limbs falling off. He says if you're willing You can heal me and make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus said, I am willing. And he said, Be healed. Is anybody reading that along with me on that? You guys gotta start paying attention. The Bereans, they would they would make sure that their pastor was telling the truth when he read a scripture. It says, move for compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. He did something nobody else would have done. They're not going to touch a contagious leper who shouldn't be there in the first place. But Jesus knew what this man really needed. And he reached out and touched the leper. He said, I am willing Be healed. That's love. Jesus said, now go show yourself to the priest. Get your certificate in order and everything so you can come out of quarantine. I bet that guy was so excited that he could go and see his family and be touched gathered the children to himself again i bet he was so excited because jesus told him don't go tell everybody because if you go tell everybody the crowds are going to swarm me and i won't be able to accomplish my ministry the way i want to i'm not ready for the big crowds yet but you know what he went and did he told everybody i can see him now jesus touched me Jesus touched me. Look, I'm whole. Jesus touched me. And that would be a good thing for us to go around shouting. Jesus touched my life and I'm whole. One time when I was a new baby Christian in this church, we were doing an outreach to Bill Street and we would go there and we would minister to the people on the street. And all the way there I was so on fire for Jesus, I just wanted to shout Jesus touched me to anybody who would listen. And I was praying the whole way there, God, give me eyes to see people. Let me see him the way you see him. I don't know why I was praying that that day, but I was praying, Lord, I want your heart for these people, whoever I minister to. And I got there, and they had a big igloo cooler full of soup, and they were spooning it out to these homeless folks. And I was just shaking their hand and talking to them in line and trying to tell them. I didn't know any scripture, but I was telling them what I knew about Jesus. And there was this one guy, he was homeless, and he came up, and he smelled bad. Looked like he hadn't had a shower in weeks. And I'm going to tell you, he had urinated on himself. He was past the point of not caring anymore. He was past the point of trying to even put on pretenses of wanting to go on. And it may have been, I don't know, even the other homeless people stayed away from him. But I looked at him, and Jesus let me see him through his own eyes. And I loved the man. I don't know why, but I said, can I hug you? And I gave him, I reached out and gave him a hug. And he jerked back, and he said, he touched me. He touched me, and he was creating a big ordeal. And I thought, maybe he's making fun of me. But I realized after a moment... That Jesus through me had touched this man. And as I went down Bill Street that night and I was ministering to different people, I would stop somebody and start telling them about Jesus. And that homeless man was following me. And every time he would see somebody, he'd say, He touched me. He touched me. They didn't know what he was talking about. But he touched me. Touch. Each time we reach out to touch someone, says Rob Mole, we communicate the tangible truth of the gospel. The tangible truth of the gospel. It's in the touch. Reach out and touch your neighbor real quick. Doesn't it feel good? Luke 8:45. Jesus says, who touched me? Everybody denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is touching you. He's in a crowd and Jesus cries out, who touched me? I tell you, Jesus comes from a place, we got to stop and shake our head for a moment. But Jesus said, no, someone deliberately touched me for I felt power power going out from me there's power in the touch and maybe touch has healing powers in your marriage begin to touch one another like you did when you couldn't keep your hands off of one another when you before you got married the The only thing that happens in marriage is we quit doing what we originally did. We stop getting the results that we originally got. You want to go back to have what you had before, then start doing what you did before. If you want it to be better than it was before, start doing even more. Now that you know what to do, and know how to do it in the love of God, maybe your touch has healing powers for your marriage. Jesus told Thomas, touch me. And see that I'm real. Your spouse needs to know that there's something real between you two. Something as simple as holding hands. It communicates affection, it communicates that we belong to each other. Affection and protection. And just a simple holding of the hands. Kiss them on the way out the door in the morning. Communicates that I'm going to be hunting you when I get back home, honey. <laughs> Can you see how these things will make a difference going forward? Some spouses just are probably crying out, touch me. Maybe both of you are lonely and you're sitting there thinking, she don't want me to touch her. Well, you he don't want me to touch him. Well, maybe it's because the only touch that y'all have done has been selfish touch in the past. And it's always been trying to lead somewhere or trying to get something from one another. But a healthy touch is a loving touch that is done for the benefit of the other, not just for your own gratification. Learn to touch one another in a loving way. A man needs respect. A woman needs And everyone needs to be touched. You're getting the hang of it. It's the arts of marriage. I done went long. Let me close. I guess that means we'll have to save sex for next week. That'll give you a reason to get here. You'll be bringing all your buddies. First time the church has ever been full. All the purple chairs was filled up. I don't have any deer heads hanging on my wall now. But if you've been to my house, you see I have acoustic guitars, electric guitars. I have guitars hanging on the wall. No more deer heads. But I stare at my guitars. I lovingly long over my guitars. I get them down and I touch them. I polish them. I put fresh strings on them. I tune them. I don't forget about them. They feel good in my lap. They respond to my affection, to my touch. They make sweet music for me. The more I learn to strum them. And guys, it's the same way with your spouse. Don't leave them hanging on that wall. Don't leave them hanging. Too many marriages have left each other hanging. That same wise Solomon says in Proverbs 30, 18, he said, There are three things that amaze me. No four that I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky, how a snake slithers on a rock, how a ship navigates the ocean, and how a man loves a woman. How a man loves a woman, is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. How does Jesus love us? Any less? Aren't you the object of His affection? Isn't he romantic about his love for the church, his bride? Doesn't his touch mean everything to you? Doesn't our intimacy with Christ transcend this physical world in which we live as we become one with him? We are the bride of Christ. And men, we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loves the church and gave his life for them. They always told me that a degree in the arts wouldn't pay much. But boy, were they wrong when it came to the arts of marriage. A man needs respect. A woman needs love. And we all need to learn the arts of marriage. If we're going to make this thing last, we're going to make this thing work. We're going to make it not just work, but flourish. We're going to make families that the world looks to and says, I want what they got. We're going to raise children that want to grow up and have the same type of marriage? Any married folks in here? Did you learn anything today? Any, any folks that want to be married one day? Look around. Got one brave hand over here.